appreciate y'all checking out the show. To the side of me, you know that guy, Bryce Alford, stroking it for so many years on the hardwood for UCLA, leads the program all time and made three-pointers. You can follow him on Twitter as well. Bryce, thanks for doing this, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's great to check in on you. I'm Brian Fenley, and I was watching – the latest video you were putting on Twitter, and you've called this thing the coronavirus or quarantine chronicles, and this was some sort of contraption that you jimmy-rigged. What's this all about? Uh, I mean, ever since I was a little kid, I, I've loved being like a little engineer. I, when I was really little, I played with, you know, the Thomas the Train tracks and uh, loved doing like marble tracks. I do marble tracks throughout the house and stuff, and um, you kind of get back to your old ways during this quarantine. There's, you know, you got to find ways to, to stay, uh, doing stuff in the house. And so, uh, me and my buddy, my buddy's a, um, big, uh, woodsman. He does a lot of stuff, uh, carpenter wise. And, um, I brought some marbles over to his house and we kind of created, we had seen all these marble tracks on Twitter and Instagram. And so we just kind of created this big track and obstacle course for a marble to go through. So it was fun. To the extent it w in which you engineered this thing, for people that haven't seen how detailed and, and how much of a design it took, give us a, a feeling for those who haven't seen the video of, of how massive this operation was that you guys did. Yeah, I mean, it, went, it started um, at the end of a hallway that was probably, I'd say, you know, 20 feet long, 20 to 25 feet long. And uh, we started it coming down on a tape measure. Um, so the marble started on tape measure. And then we actually cut um, like pool noodles, uh, those styrofoam pool noodles. Sure, yeah. Cut them in half um, and had them ramping over and we had it shoot over over the edge of a staircase and down through the living room. So it was about a, uh, it probably took the marble probably 20 seconds to get to the bottom, but it was, uh, it, was a, it was a cool track. It took a long time to get to be exactly right. So it was fun. That is super cool. And certainly everybody is being at home right now, given what's going on with the coronavirus. How has the the coronavirus impacted your life and, and obviously your basketball career? Well, uh, I was playing in Germany this year, uh, my first year overseas, and um, our season got cut short in about, I'd say, early March, I think. Um, and so we had about a two-week period where, you know, we played one game. Uh, we had Our last game that we played was in front of no fans. Um, and then shortly after that, they decided to cancel the season, uh, but we had about a two-week waiting period uh, where we weren't doing anything. We weren't allowed to practice. Uh, we weren't allowed to do anything. So we were just, you know, chilling in Germany by ourselves and without anything to do. And then finally they kind of gave us the go that we could terminate our contracts, um, you know, try to get as much money that we had left in our contracts that we could. But um, the most important thing was getting home, being with our family and, you know, making sure our safety was – was good. So um, definitely affects my life quite a bit. Uh, moving forward, uh, don't know what jobs are going to be available overseas for basketball. Um, there's just a lot of uncertainties right now in the whole, you know, not only basketball, but the whole world. The great Bryce Alford is with us here on the podcast. Follow him on Twitter at BAlford20. What was the ordeal like for you to get home, getting a flight and navigating back to the States? Yeah, I mean, it was difficult. Um, once I got my flight booked and everything, it actually was very smooth. Um, once I landed, uh, I flew from Germany to, um, to I think, Atlanta, and then Atlanta to, to Phoenix, which is where I am now. Um, 
but once I got to Atlanta, you know, you have to go through the screening, they take your temperature, uh, you do a bunch of surveys, but it wasn't that bad, but it was just the, the uncertainty, you know, Trump in- issued the travel ban uh, right in the time where we were still waiting to see what was happening with our season. Um, and there was no real guidelines for what was allowed uh, sure. for, for us to be back. And so uh, it, it wasn't a panic, but it was definitely a time where we were just all wanting to get home. So you are all home. How is the rest of your family doing during this time? They're all good. My, my dad actually, you know, I haven't seen my parents in about eight months, uh, which is the longest I've gone without seeing them just because I've been overseas. And um, my dad actually drove down from Reno um, last on Sunday, last Sunday, uh, just to spend the week here with me and my wife in Phoenix. Um, and so we had a week of golf. Golf's actually open here, uh, which is great because that's really? me and my dad's, you know, that's our hobby. So yeah, uh, we got to play about eight rounds of golf this week, which was great. Uh, and he, he came back, uh, back to Reno today, but, uh, it's just difficult. It's difficult to, uh, to see your family and stuff with traveling and, uh, but my family's all healthy and stuff. So I can't complain. I remember reading this article about you and it was, it might've been in the, the player's tribute or, or something like that, where you were talking about you and your dad on the golf course. I think it was, was it after your junior season? And you said, dad, I, I, I never want to be on the golf course this early after a basketball season. And you right. lived up to that because the next year, obviously you guys went deep into the tournament. What a fun run that was for you. And now that you've had a chance to kind of stomach and look back and have a couple of years to, to, to really peer back and think and contemplate what that career was for you like at UCLA, how does it all process within you? It's difficult to process it all, you know, four years and with how much we were able to accomplish um, and how much we felt like we could have accomplished. Sure. uh, It's difficult to process it all. But uh, I think if I had to go year by year, I mean, my freshman year, and my senior year, I think, um, you know, we had a chance to win it all. You know, I I felt like both those teams were as good as anybody in the country um, and they were deep and talented. We had youth. We had age on each one. and then my sophomore season was also a sweet 16 team, but we kind of overachieved towards the end of the year. Um, but I just felt like, you know, the tournament's such a crapshoot every year. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is it, it's hardly the best team in the, in the nation that wins. You know? True. It, it's, it's hardly, you know, ever the number one overall seed. You know, there, there, it's just you get into a tournament where it's single elimination, 64 teams. It's, you know, anybody can win. And that's a legit statement. So, um, for me to go to three, three, sixteens in four years, um, you know, do some of the things I did individually. Uh, I'm very proud of what I was able to accomplish there. I want to ask you about the individual performance that you had in the tournament when you were an underclassman against SMU. I think you knocked down was nine three pointers, which if I'm not mistaken, Bryce, I think your dad has never made more than is it eight. So you still hold the advantage on him on that. So well, that, that was the, that was, are my favorite one of my favorite memories because uh, if you remember my ninth one was actually goaltended so it didn't so, have to go in so let me get your take on that because I wanted to bring that up what was going through your mindset when that was happening did you think it was goaltending what was your what was your initial reaction to how that play was called uh, well we drew up a play for um, for Norman to to drive baseline and if he had a layup to tie it he was taking it or I think we might've been down. I don't know what we were down one or two, but if he had a layup, it was there for him to take it. And if not, we kind of set a hammer back screen for me in the corner, uh, but they guarded it really well. And then 
uh, I kind of took a, a tough shot that was pretty early in the, sh in the shot clock. Uh, we still had a lot of time left. Um, and I couldn't see it a whole lot. But as I, as I got closer to the rim, I saw it was veering off a little bit to the right. And I was like, sure. oh, I've made all these shots and I missed this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes out of nowhere and just tips it. And I'm like, you can't do that. Like, that wasn't going in, but you can't do that. You yeah. Know? So uh, a lot of people, you know, kind of said it was very controversial because – the shot wasn't going in, but that's not the point. The point was it was going to hit the front of the rim. Probably. Yeah. And so, you know, I think they called it right. Obviously I'm biased, but <laughs> um, it was just a crazy scenario. And then we had to get a stop on the other end and we did it. Yeah. I mean, by rule, it is a goaltend. So like you said, there is some speculation, but at the, at the same time you go by the rules, that's exactly the right call. And you guys come out with the win, which was just, it was magical. It seemed, Bryce, like it was so magical. And your career, you know, you've always had that, that attachment to you, you know, being the, the son of a coach. And there's the pluses, there's the minuses of that. And, and how did you handle that aspect of it? Well, it, it took a couple of years for me to, sure. to get it. You know, I, I knew what I was – I think I knew what I was coming into. Um, being able to play for my dad, I knew there was going to be a ton – of pressure on me and a ton of criticism, regardless of how well I did. I knew that I was going to get some unfair criticism, um, but it took me a couple of years to, you know, grow and mature into uh, a man and realize, you know, what voices I could listen to, what I didn't need to listen to. Um, and I think come my junior season after that year where we had the down year and we were sub 500, uh, I started to realize, you know, who I needed to listen to and, um, I just focused on what I could control. You know, I think that's some of the best advice I've ever gotten is uh, control what you can control and, you know, anything else is outside uh, of your range. So um, come my senior year, I think I just blocked out all the noise and just played and that was my best year. And how about this, Bryce? And Bryce Alford joins us, UCLA Bruin sharpshooter. You can find him on Twitter at BAAlford20. Your relationship with your dad how did that change when you started at UCLA and then when you finished um I think we just grew closer if anything um you know we went through so many trials and tribulations in our four years um but there were so many more ups than there were downs and I think that you know not even yet but you know through the rest of our lives we'll be able to look back and you know cherish those memories and um, I know he misses coaching me um, already, and I miss playing for him. And um, so it's it's a special four years that, you know, you, you don't trade for anything. You know, I can think back at some of the worst times that we've had, uh, and I still wouldn't trade those times for anything just because of how special it was. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there, Bryce. And then how did your dad introduce you to the game? Because there's always that – that want, I'm sure, as a parent to, in a way, live your legacy through your son in whatever industry or craft that you as the father are doing. But you seem to, to me, Bryce, from an outside perspective, you really love the game. I mean, that was something inherent within you. How did you fall in love with the game without having that attachment of, oh, I'm just doing this because this is what my dad did? Right. Yeah. I, I think I just grew up around it, you know, and um, I didn't even really go through, you know, in high school, the recruiting, you know, scene because I knew I wanted to play for my dad. But I think that was just because I grew up around his players. Uh, I grew up 
riding in the back of the bus with all his team, with all his players and uh, going to practice. And, you know, just the way that he ran a program, I, I knew that I could succeed there um, and that I would have fun and I would grow as a man, grow as a player. Um, but I, I just, you know, I grew up around the game. My, my family is so engraved with the game of basketball, obviously, with my dad being a coach. Uh, my grandpa coached my dad in high school. Um, my mom played a little bit in high school. My brother played, you know, so it, it's just something that I didn't really have a choice, I think, because I was just around the game. But, um, I mean, I have pictures from when I'm two years old dribbling a basketball around. You know, I just loved it from the, you know, the time I can remember playing it. You were, if I'm not mistaken, you also took part with the – you've been on several different teams, the G League and also Summer League. Were you on the Pacers at one point on their Summer League team? So I, I think I read that you have this – this belief that, hey, you know, your dad and all he did at Indiana, but hey, you were the only one that got to be part of the Pacers franchise. So that gave you a little bit of street cred. Have you at all used that to rub it in your father? And how much back and forth do you guys do trying to one-up each other? Obviously, playfully, whether it's on the basketball court, who's the better shooter overall, who's the better golfer, and all of those fun competitive aspects. There's a lot more trash talk in golf than in basketball. <laughs> Um, he actually, we played eight rounds this week Wow! and he, he beat me five to three. Uh, we, he was up three zero and then I won three matches in a row and then he got me on the last two. So, uh, a lot more trash talk on golf than basketball, but it's just, it's crazy to look back at our, you know, even our high school careers, how similar everything was. Wow. Um, my senior year in high school, I averaged 37 and a half points a game and he averaged, I think 36 and a half. Um, you know, he shot uh 40 plus from the three-point line his senior year I shot 40 plus from the three-point line my senior year uh it's just so many similarities uh but we were different players in a lot of aspects and um it's just like you said it is cool to, for me to have certain things on him and for him to have certain things on me so it's constant it's it's hard for either one of us to trash talk because each of us have you know the upper hand in different areas do you feel, Bryce, an added sense of pressure to try and live up to what he did, or have you found the headspace to separate yourself from him and create your own identity? I think uh, in high school and college, I definitely felt that. Um, you know, anytime I was mentioned, whether it be in the newspaper or on ESPN, sure. anything, it was always coach's son, Bryce Alford, or Steve Alford's son, Bryce Alford. Uh, but once I became a pro, that they don't really say that, you know, they don't say, you know, son of Nevada head coach. It's no, now it's Bryce Alford, you know, shooting guard, Bryce Alford, whatever it may be. Um, which I think is reassuring to me and refreshing to me to kind of get away from that. You know, like you said, of building my own legacy and um, really just having my own career and not having it uh, be attached to him at, at all times. But he's a big, big part of, of, of who I am as a person and who I am as a player. So um, I don't mind having that attachment. Bryce, how do you feel like your dad might be misunderstood and, and that you've been up and close with him? You know the qualities that he brings and, and that he's bestowed upon you. But in what ways is, is – are, are people is, – is there a misperceptions? Yeah, I mean, I think anybody who really knows him, uh, who's gotten a chance to know him, uh, know that he's he's a genuine guy. Um, he's a faith-driven guy. He's very strong in his faith. He, he leads our family um, towards our faith, and that's a big thing for us. And um, I think sometimes that can come off the wrong way uh, to people. Um, but he, he's, 
he's just the most competitive guy I've ever met. And I think sometimes, you know, any of those guys, even if you look at, you know, guys in the league, like you look at um, a Kobe, uh, an MJ, uh, Russell Westbrook, who are ultra competitive people, they rub a lot of people the wrong way. Um, But it's not necessarily who they are as a person. Um, But he's just, he wants to win so badly and he wants his players to do well so badly that, uh, you know, sometimes there can be misconceptions um, you know, that he might be a rude person or a mean person, but that couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, he has an open door policy to his players at all times. Um, he wants guys to succeed and he wants, he wants you to come into his program as a young boy or as a young man and to leave as a man and be ready for the real world. And that's his biggest thing that he preaches. And I think he does a really good job of that. How happy is he to be in a spot in Reno where he's appreciated and, and and able to to really develop a foothold there? I think he's he's very happy. Um, you know, obviously things didn't end the way he wanted to at UCLA, and he loved his time at UCLA. He's sure. that's the thing is he he's had ups and downs at all his coaching spots, but he's loved every single spot that he's been at. And UCLA is no different. You know, UCLA is a very very special place. Um, you know, he got to coach both his sons at, at UCLA. Yeah. Um, and you know, he went to three sweet 16s and four, you know, NCAA tournaments. And so he did a lot of good things. Um, but I think being at Nevada, uh, where there's not as much pressure, um, he can kind of rebuild the program and the culture to what he wants. Um, there's just a lot of things that he can do there, um, that really fit what he wants to do culture wise. What do you expect, Bryce, to in kind of transitioning into a different direction? The, the next couple of weeks and, and months look like, like you said, there's a whole lot of uncertainty with when basketball is going to return. We do know at one point it will return. Like, we just don't know exactly when. But how are you able to kind of sift through the uncertainty? And I know it's got to be hard at times to find a hoop or a, a place to work out because of all these places that are locking their doors because of precautionary reasons. Yeah, I mean, I, I went and shot at the park a couple of weeks ago before they, you know, went and closed down, you know, the outside hoops. And so, like you said, it's very hard to find a place to go. Um, I, I luckily have a place here in Phoenix that I can start going to. Um, so I've taken my time off and, you know, I'm itching to get a basketball in my hands again and start shooting. <laughs> so, um, like you said, it's uncertainty. You know, there, there's no real answer to what's going to happen. Um, there's a lot of worry being an overseas player that the money's going to be much less over there because teams just don't have the money to pay people what they were. Um, this has killed a lot of, of the lower, you know, lower teams in these leagues. Um, and you just don't know if, if the season's going to be pushed back. Uh, I assume the season won't start on time. Um, so it, it's just one of those things where you just kind of have to play it by ear and just stay ready, you know, stay in shape. Uh, make sure your game is is as sharp as it can be. Uh, and whenever you get a phone call of, hey, we're going to go here or, you know, whatever it may be, you just got to be ready. And as a professional athlete, that's that's always the key is you have to always be ready. I have all the confidence, Bryce, that you are going to adhere to that. I wanted to finish, wrap up this with some a little bit more of a lighter note. And, and what was it like to play with Lonzo Ball? Oh man, uh, this is probably one of my uh, the, the questions I get asked the most. Sure, uh, and rightfully so because he, he's such a star and uh, such a good basketball player. Playing with him, I mean, you can see it in my numbers. Uh, yeah. my numbers from my first three years to my last year, skyrocketed uh, efficient wise, efficiency wise. Um, it was just so easy. You know, he makes the game so easy for a guy like me who shoots the basketball. 
Um, and I've, I've gone back, especially during this quarantine, uh, of just watching old highlights and stuff, old games from UCLA. Um, and I've watched a lot of games, and he just finds you whenever you're open. You know, you don't have to tell some. You don't have to tell him you're open. You don't have to, you know, tell him, "Hey, look for me when I do this cut or or this kind of." He knows already. Uh, and so it was just a, a a burst of fresh air of just, you know, he he always just got you the ball when you needed it. If I made two threes in a row, I knew exactly, you know, the next time down he was going to be looking at me. And so that's something as a as a shooter. Uh, if you have a point guard that just knows who's hot and, and how to get them the ball, when to get them the ball, there's it's really unmatched. And that's why I think, you know, even if he doesn't become a, a giant scorer in the league or, um, you know, the, the star that some people think he is, his, his worth to a team is incredible. And Bryce, you would know much better than I would, but the trip to Australia before that season, I would have to think really – induced a level of camaraderie with you know yourself and Lonzo and the team I hear that that Lonzo was a pretty good rapper during the during the trip there uh, I mean what level are we talking about here well he, he has some songs out now and stuff <laughs> um, but yeah he used to always freestyle on the back of the bus and uh, we'd put on instrumentals for him to, to, nice. to rap to and stuff so it just adds to, you know, who he is as a, as a teammate. You know, he, he always knew how to, you know, uplift the team and, you know, put us all in a good mood. So it's just another aspect of Lonzo that makes him great. Would you ever partake in some freestyling uh, rap battles? Absolutely not. I was the one putting the beats on. I'm, I'm not getting by. <laughs> and you were knocking down the shots in the process. Bryce, thanks for doing this. You can find Bryce on Twitter at a Alford, no, excuse me, B Alford 20. I'm on Twitter at Brian Fenley. Glad to hear you're doing okay. Your family's doing okay. And hope to, to check in with you again as we get some momentum here with basketball picking up again. Really do appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome, dude.